This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hi, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. I've been in practice for over 25 years and decided to extend the walls of my practice a couple of years ago and start this podcast. I'd already been a blogger for about four years at that time and was finding such joy because I think people have misconceptions about therapy and I want to try to correct those misconceptions and any stigma that might exist about getting treatment for whatever mental illness or relationship problems you might be having. There may be some of you who are very comfortable with psychological issues and are already in therapy. There may be some of you who are new to a diagnosis and are searching for answers. And there may be a few of you who've never even considered talking to a therapist, but you'll listen to a podcast. Today, our topic is step parenting. (laughs) Step parenting may be the hardest job on earth. It's very difficult, complicated, frustrating, and rewarding, but it is really hard to do well. We'll talk about why it's so hard, and then we'll talk about four common mistakes that people make. I like to think of a good step parent as someone who is choosing to love you. You're not biologically related to them, but kind of like adoptive parents, they're choosing to love you. And there are things that you can do to try to help make sure that it goes well for both the kids and the adults. Our listener email today is from someone who's just scared to open up in therapy, and I know that's hard. I look back on my early therapy and realize there were things that I did not tell my therapist. I did not want her to know some of the things about my life. I wasn't ready to be honest with myself. And so, of course, by not doing that, I did limit how well the therapy could help. She was still helpful, but later on, I was able to be much more vulnerable. So today we're going to talk about step parenting, the lows, the highs, in what is a very, very difficult job. Falling in love can feel like heaven on earth. In fact, I think there's a country song out now that talks about heaven couldn't be better than this or something. It's not one of my favorites, but (laughs) I have heard it. When you find love the second time around, it's really no different. Not only do you appreciate having found each other, you've hopefully learned more about yourselves as individuals and as partners from past partnerships or marriages. You've recognized the mistakes that you made in your first marriage and now can decide it's time to take the leap and blend your families because now you're a step-parent. You may have had some concerns prior to saying I do as you watched your partner with their children or you watched them with yours. You may have noticed that they allow their children to do stuff that you'd never allow your children to do or the opposite. Hopefully, the two of you talked about that and agreed, you parent your kids, and I'll parent mine. So it didn't seem daunting that her 18-year-old son had never had a job or hibernated in his room, 
or that his 14-year-old daughter was good in school and generally responsible, but was flippant and bossy at home. But if you married, probably these things seemed doable. But let's talk a little bit about how long a successful family blending can take and why it's hard. It seemed manageable, but pulling a blended family off can be hard work. In fact, research shows that the norm for how much time it takes for the family to feel bonded is much, much longer than most people think. It's more like five to ten years. That's not a statistic that people who are marrying and they both have children or one of them has children particularly likes to hear. They do not get ecstatic. There are some factual dynamics can certainly influence the solidity of the relationship between the stepchild and the stepparent. First, the context of how everyone met. How long they've known each other, the parents, I mean. How old the children were when their parents' divorce occurred in the first place. Younger children, again, typically have an easier time, but not always. Another factor is whether or not it's a second or third or fourth marriage. Not only is there a lot of alimony, child support, or just lots of exes, then also the children can either have grown somewhat immune to even developing a relationship with a step-parent or avoidant, or they may be angry or sad. Another huge factor, of course, is how amicable the divorce of the children's biological parent was or is. If there's a lot of fighting, if the only way you communicate is via email, and even that's very hostile, the problem with the step-parent is probably going to be pretty bad. And there are other dynamics, but these are some of the ones that came to mind. You know, if you're pulling it off, then congratulate yourself. You must be working really hard and making something work that's emotionally and often pragmatically difficult. And those kudos go to the step-parents, the exes, and the kids alike. But there are things that can be avoided to try to ensure the relationship between step-parent and step-child is healthy and rewarding, again, with time. And there are some common mistakes that so many people make. They make them with the very best of intentions, but they can make them. I remember a couple I worked with many years ago now. She had children, and his were grown and out of the home. And the pact they made, this was before they saw me, was that he wouldn't have anything to do with her children at all. For example, she would feed them dinner, and then she'd go eat dinner with him. It was as if there were two families in the same house, and they were quite separated. Well, guess what? That didn't work. And these were really two highly intelligent people who'd both been married before. It seemed reasonable at the time, but I looked at them and said, my gosh, how did you really think that was going to work? But when you're in love, you can really convince yourself of all kinds of things. I know. I've done it. So let's talk about four very common mistakes. The first is jumping in too fast as an authority. Now, it's easy for the step-parent to feel like a piece of furniture. <laughs> you're an adult, but you're supposed to mainly keep your opinions to yourself and if you and your new spouse dated for quite a while and let the children get to know you slowly but surely, then step-parenting can be smooth sailing. The children feel like they were part of the choice for the two of you to marry. They can feel respected, not 
rolled over. Now, obviously, this can go too far. You don't want to necessarily give a child the absolute power over whether you marry someone or not. But again, especially with older children, them feeling a part of the process, it's important. Children, especially younger ones, will usually welcome a new adult who wants to love them in their world. However, so many people rush the process, only giving their kids a few weeks or months to make the life-altering transition from me and your dad to me and your new dad. Of course, your ex will have feelings as well and may highly resent someone that they don't know having an impact on their children. So if you jump in too fast, then as an authority, you set yourself up for a struggle, even failure. You're suddenly there in the home, but you haven't earned the respect that goes along with being an authority figure, or at least a convincing authority figure. You don't have that child's trust simply because his mother or father loves you. You have to wait. Give your opinion to the biological parent while not putting up certainly with disrespect and work on developing a relationship. As much as you might care about the child, the healthiest thing to do is to support the person you love. But wait until you earn the respect of the child. Again, there are exceptions to this, but that's a good basic rule of thumb. Here's number two, and this is maybe a little more subtle problem. If you see the kids as an extension of the ex... They may look like the ex. They may have character traits of the ex. They might even be parroting things the ex says. And so you say to yourself, I bet she told her to say that to me. Or the only reason he's doing that is because his mother hates me and he knows it. Sadly, it could be true. The child may have heard the ex talking about you. However, children are individuals in their own right, not miniature versions of the ex, nor their messengers. They may be stuck in the middle of an ugly adult situation that they didn't choose, but you'll only make it worse by not understanding how difficult that can be for them. You can try to make it easier by making sure you don't put them in the middle. Be yourself, be kind and loving and accepting, and give them the opportunity to see the real you. Eventually, they'll figure out that you're a positive addition to their life and that their mother or father, who's dissing you, has their own issues. It may take, again, a long time for this. So patience is needed, for sure. Here's number three. A mistake that sometimes step-parents make is to blame the kids for disagreements you have with your partner about their parenting style. Let's say you always put your kids to bed and have a set time every night. The light is turned off, good nights are said, you kiss, and out you go. Your new spouse, on the other hand, doesn't have a set bedtime. It could be eight one night, nine the next. They believe that there should be some time that they just have to relax and be on their cell phones or get some last-minute studying done. Then if they want a little talking or reading, then lights out. It's all more spontaneous. So you decide that his kids are spoiled and needy. He tells you that you have a rigid old-school approach and that your kids are somehow uptight and won't be independent. It's not the kid's fault. Maybe his kids are spoiled and needy. Maybe your kids are a little rigid. Who knows? 
that the adults have to work out the different parenting styles. It's best to leave the kids out of it. Try to decide how you're going to respect each other now that you're one family. That can obviously take some time adjusting to see how this new combined family is going to tackle things. Remember, the kids realize that they're being parented differently, too. Why does James get to stay up until 9 when I have to go to bed at 8? So, as children always do, they can manipulate that. And you have to stand your guns if, indeed, the two adults don't particularly want to compromise. You know, this can happen even when you have older children. I worked with a couple one time who got along famously without their children. They both had adult children. But they came in saying, you know, when his kids come, or now his adult kids and his grandkids, or her kids come, I feel completely forgotten. It's like I'm invisible. So we had to work on how the two of them could stay connected. They had very different parenting styles and didn't particularly respect the others. And so they had to work on communicating about that, but also how they wouldn't feel invisible or forgotten. We decided on an interesting thing. I had them get rings that they would only wear when the adult kids were present. And if they were feeling forgotten, they would turn the ring so their partner could see it very discreetly. And all he or she had to do was touch their ring to let them know, no, I see you. I'm just really engrossed in seeing my children. They live far away or I don't get to see them much. Or I feel guilty about the divorce. That's often a factor. So with enough work and enough patience and compassion, the two of you can work out your different parenting styles. The fourth is a huge one. You can discount the impact of an affair or the fact that you've moved very quickly into a new relationship. If you had an affair with a new step-parent, you're likely to say, oh, the kids will be great. They'll have no trouble accepting Jane or John. You may want to minimize in your own mind the difficulty of the divorce on the family, as well as the feelings of not just grief, but replacement that your ex has had to deal with. If you marry, and especially quickly marry, the person that you had an affair with, realize that it may take a fair amount of time, again, there's that time, for your family to accept him or her. It's important to realize that even without an affair, let's just say you move really quickly into a new relationship, your kids will likely seem okay to you. They want to please both parents, so looking fine may easily be in the cards. But underneath, they're having their own reactions. If you move on too quickly, it's very likely that the opposite gender child from you, meaning if you have a daughter and then you remarry a woman, or you have a son and you remarry a man, they can feel somehow replaced. Kind of like, well, he divorced or she divorced my other parent. Are they divorcing me? Now, of course, this could be coming from the ex as well. If you did not have an amicable divorce, your ex can sabotage or try to sabotage her children's or his children's relationship with the new stepmom or dad. That's an issue between you and your ex. You know, on a much, much happier note, I've talked with many people through the years who've told me that it was a step-parent who made their life complete. It was the step-parent who walked them down the aisle 
when their own biological father had abandoned them long ago, or it was their stepmom who sat and listened to them because their biological mother wasn't nearly as understanding or empathic. There are others who just clicked with their step-parent, and they became very close friends as time went on, and their biological parent wasn't jealous of that relationship. They were the mindset that the more people who loved their children, the better off their children were. But that takes a lot of emotional maturity. But please recognize that if you're a step-parent or you're thinking about marrying someone with children or partnering with someone with children, it is one of the hardest jobs and one of the most vital because the effects are long-lasting for everyone involved. As I said in the introduction, step-parents' love for their stepchildren is a choice, and there may be no more important gift to give. Our listener email today is from someone who's afraid to start therapy because of many things, but mostly because she's scared to open up. She says, hi, I've been off and on listening to your podcast for about a year. Every article I've read has helped me not feel so lost, confused, alone, or crazy. All my life I've seen long-term effects of my unresolved issues, and I feel that I don't have my feelings under control, and that not allowing myself to think about and let alone express any emotion or acknowledge any feelings to everything as a result of what I've experienced throughout my life, I knew that one day that would come back in a crippling way. And it has, which has almost destroyed me. I'm slowly trying to repair and face my issues my own way. I finally saw a GP and started an antidepressant. I was at a breaking point and scared about how my thoughts and my downward spiral was affecting my children. But I'm still struggling with the idea of allowing myself to open up and actually talk to someone about things. I'm scared to seek professional help, but I know this is the only way I'll be able to free myself of my lifetime of self-destruction, restriction, all the negative emotions, and to finally heal and move forward in my life. Well, for one thing, that kind of recognition can be life-altering, and I'm so glad this listener has made it. So I write to her. I'm so glad that self-work has helped you. One of the reasons I began it was to let people in on what a therapist or psychologist might be like to talk with. I know it's hard to open up to someone face-to-face. I get it. But one of the most healing things about good therapy is that the relationship with the therapist themselves can be very healing. If you weren't allowed to express emotions growing up or were even punished for doing so, then those rules may still be playing in your head, and working those out in the relationship with your therapist can be life-changing. I hope you'll allow this email to me to be your first step in challenging those rules. If the antidepressant works well, it will hopefully give you the mental clarity that you need to go forward. But it's likely not to fix things. As I've said often, I'm a therapist because I got good therapy. Not all of the people I sought out were good therapists, but some were. And their listening and their objective and knowledgeable perspective was very helpful to me. Good luck. It's never too late to seek help and freedom from the pain you've carried for far too long. So if any of you out there are like this listener, and that you are simply holding back what you know would be helpful, 
I'm hoping that self-work will serve to help you understand what it would be like to be with a therapist that fits you and that you trust. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Self Work. I'm delighted that so many of you are. The numbers are growing by leaps and bounds, and that makes me feel so wonderful because I know some of you must be telling friends or family or colleagues or some of you therapists out there are giving self-work to your patients. In fact, some of you have written and told me that, so thank you so much for that. I'd so appreciate it if you left a rating or review on iTunes especially, but anywhere where you listen so other people will know what you like about self-work or what you don't like. That will help me as well. You can subscribe to my website, drmargaretrutherford.com, and you receive a weekly newsletter that actually contains both this weekly podcast and then a weekly blog post. That's all you'll get, maybe a holiday greeting every now and then or maybe an announcement every like year or so, but I don't bug you. But that's an easy way to stay in touch with me. I also have a new Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. I give journal prompts. I come and go and answer questions. I talk about some things that are happening with my own patients in therapy or did. I'll tell stories. But so many people are also offering what helps them or their own journeys. We're getting close to 500 members. It's a closed group. So people don't know or can't see your responses. So hopefully it feels very safe and secure. Again, that's facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. So thank you for listening. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self-Work.